0: Today we're talking about insights into the new referral economy, how to overcome self-limiting beliefs and get started, and most importantly, how to start a movement. Welcome to episode 18 with the founder of the millennial movement, Justin Peterson. You are listening to Len Jones, Party of Two, where experts and influencers speak honestly and openly about their keys to success. Sponsored by TrueFace.ai, where your face is the key. For more information on TrueFace, please contact your host at en at trueface.ai. Now, pay close attention, because you're going to learn today. Que fiesta gente? which of course is Spanish for what up party people and happy Friday. You know, I was looking at the forecast this morning and it said there was a 99% chance of brain berries out here on today's episode. So I'm going to start this introduction with a challenge. I challenge you to look at your major problems today with hindsight, meaning if you're going through some sort of emotional, financial, or health related crisis that is causing you a ton of stress and overall just absolutely blows. I want you to think about yourself six months to a year from now, looking back at this very moment, reflecting on those hard times and how you've changed. Sometimes we are so hard on ourselves that we forget to realize that our challenges shape us to become better and more appreciative humans, which is pretty damn important to appreciate because We only have one life. Be thankful for the challenges you're going through. Flip the script, as Eminem says, and appreciate your challenges. And also remember, it can always be way worse. (laughs) And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold. To educate millennials by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans, by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in life that are making moves, to meet my other friends in life that are making moves, to create one giant community of extraordinary people. So today's episode is very special as I got to spend some time with my good friend Justin Peterson. I've known Justin for the past four years or so and this man has just continued to level up. He's amongst the best public speakers inside his age demographic that I've seen and his content and leadership is always on point and genuine. So Justin started a movement inside his company which was coined as the Millennial Movement which was brilliant marketing because it influenced and inspired a ton of people to think bigger. His initiative was a great example of marketers creating something out of thin air that provided a ton of value to other people. Justin speaks on topics like the new referral economy and how the give-get model is changing a multitude of industries, creating a rock-solid foundation in which work-life balance can live in harmony, and overcoming the feelings of pure fear when just getting started. And so if you find some brain berries in this podcast that provide value, I'd love for you to take a screenshot and tag my Instagram at Len Jones so I can feature you on the story. Now, without further ado, let's jump into it. Shake and bake. All right, so we are out here with the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Justin Peterson. Justin, how you doing, homie? I'm glad to be here, brother. How about you? It's good. We're back. I mean, we, we've been live before and we did, a, last time we were together, we did a live on Culture Hacking on Facebook Live and it was incredible. Uh, every time I get to sit down with you, it reminds me like how much I need to get my, my ish together. You know
1: what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, I don't know about that because it's been so long. I think it's been almost a year since since we were live. And so that's a huge testament to you in the podcast world because think about how many people are like, oh, this year I'm going to do my own podcast, right? And they do like three or four episodes and then life gets in the way and they get distracted and you stay consistent the whole time, man. So I don't know, man. I'm, follow- I'm following your lead.
0: Yeah, we're not coming live from Medellin, Colombia this time. We're out here in Santa Monica, which is beautiful
1: yeah for sure
0: so JP you're uh you're now a father you're you're a father of not just one but you got a second one coming is that right
1: second one came uh a few weeks ago
0: and I uh I think I told you this before I love your kid's name I love the name Brooks thanks
1: bro I appreciate that like, that's a great <laughs> name for such a human <laughs> yeah yeah man I it, it's it's wild like the process of naming a child like you know it's such a big deal like you're literally creating the verbal identity of a, of a human being that they're gonna live with for the rest of their life you know whenever you're thinking about kids it's like oh it's gonna be exciting but whenever it's happening it's like this is a really intimidating decision
0: <laughs> for real and then you run into these people that name their children something just absolutely bonkers and it's like <laughs> dude you're like setting that kid up for just a tougher time. <laughs> like, why'd you have to do that? <laughs> Seriously, man. Something that's really, really cool about you is you've always just kind of continued to level up over time. You know what I mean? Like some people are at the right place at the right time with the right opportunity and they just crush it and they tend to have a short term period of success and things tend to go backwards. But for you, it seems like you've just kind of been on this stair master of, of making moves, moving up and... And I see your shirt says freedom and it's just, it's a pretty G shirt. Well, hopefully we'll get this in a video. Um, But you started something that's really, really unique is that you joined a business that is mostly, and and tell me if I'm wrong here, but just from the outside looking in, is mostly comprised of an older generation of maybe people that aren't as in tune with say social media and Mm -hmm. everything that spreads amongst millennials and stuff. And you came in, you know happy faced, bright faced and just came in and took over the business. I believe in your business, you hit like a six-figure promotion at one point. I remember being that like damn. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: T- tell us about the millennial movement and kind of where that came from.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, the the company that we joined, they've been around for 40s. I think it's their their 47th year, right? So, been around for quite a while and it was Four years ago from the time that this podcast is being recorded that uh, they hired the former VP of Microsoft as the new CEO. Now, this dude, he's the guy who launched the Xbox. Okay, so he comes into to Microsoft, launches the Xbox. Then he does Xbox Live. So, like, the stuff that he's done is pretty advanced, obviously pretty successful. You know, he's a marketing and strategy genius. So he comes into this company and you're right it's comprised of mainly an older generation and the product was a membership card that you'd carry in your wallet like similar to like how AAA works you know whenever you go on a long road trip your mom's always like you have a AAA card in your wallet you know same deal but for, for the legal industry which wasn't really appealing to a younger generation so this guy comes in and he's like all right product solid, the service is solid, the company solid. Now let's take into the 21st century. And so he drops the plastic membership card and launches a smartphone app. And so now the service is being compared instead of to AAA, like to Netflix or to Uber, because we are really the Netflix to Blockbuster, but of legal services. You know, we are the Uber to taxis, but of legal services. We are the Amazon to Kmart, but of legal services. So now to a younger generation, it's like, okay, let me get this straight. If uh, if nobody has, if one of my friends has never used, uh, let's say Airbnb before, and I text them my referral link to use Airbnb for the first time, they pay me in credits for my next Airbnb stay. You know, if somebody doesn't have Uber and I send them that, that my referral link and they use Uber for the first time, I get a free Uber ride. If actually, let's do this one. Ian, have you heard of Toro before? Uh-ho.
0: Uh, I have heard of Toro, but i don't oh. I haven't downloaded Toro.
1: okay, all right, well, in in the middle of this podcast, I'm going to text you my Toro link just to prove a point here to show where the millennial movement came from because this is as simple and as sexy as it is. Toro, you've heard about it right? It's for everybody who's listening who has not heard of it. Toro is basically the Airbnb, but for your car. So you can you can rent your own car on Toro to people, just like you can rent your bedroom or your house on Airbnb. And with Toro, if I send you a link, which I actually just did, it's in it's in cyberspace right now. You should get it in like three seconds, Beautiful. all the way across the country. In three, two, one, should be on your phone now. And whenever you click this link and you download the Toro app. I get 25 bucks off my next ride. Same concept happened, but with our company. So we have tons of young professionals, some college kids. You know, for me, I just turned 30, so I feel as if I'm like officially as adult as it gets. You know, mary married, <laughs> got a house, two cars, a uh, fenced in backyard, right? It's like the two and a half kids, a beautiful wife. And, um, and so now we can text a link, somebody can download an app and we get paid for it. So the millennial movement represents um, an option an option for our generation to be the change that we want to see in the world. You know, everyone looks at the millennials and it's like, oh, they're entitled, they're lazy, you know. They feel as if like they don't have to do anything. They should just get everything handed to them. And like my reality is, and I know you feel the same way, it's the complete opposite. You know, yeah, there's always the Jabronis to use one of your words out there that <laughs> won't really do much and give us a bad rap. But in reality, we've inherited a world that we did not create, right? We have inherited this world and now it's our job to do something about it. So the, the, the energy behind the millennial movement is we want to be the change that we want to see and that we need to see in the world today with two missions. First is to provide equal access to the liberty, equality, opportunity, and justice that every human deserves, you know, but right now we don't have that. That's not like a reality, you know, not everybody is free. Not everybody has liberty, you know, not everybody has justice. That's for, that's for damn sure, especially in 2018, 2019 America, you know, the justice system is so out of whack. So to be able to create a movement to fix that is a big deal. And then also to be able to make enough money where you're happy and you're fulfilled in life. You know, and you're not slaving away to some soul-sucking job in a box all day. Like, that's the movement behind what we're doing here. It's it's attracting an entire generation to say, hey, if you want a better life, if you want to be the change rather than just complain about it, we've got a home for you.
0: That would be a funny product, the soul-sucking box. <laughs> I bet that would go quickly viral. <laughs> Are you a millennial and you really don't know what's going on with your life? Get the soul-sucking box today. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that the referral link thing because there's this one company, have you ever heard of Rinse? No. So Rinse is this thing that's going viral in California. I don't know about other places, but essentially nowadays you get everything delivered to you. You can have Amazon deliver everything, your food, your clothes, whatever you want. So Rinse has outsourced the whole idea of ironing your clothes like dry cleaning dry cleaning yeah so like for me i hate ironing my clothes i just i love looking fresh and like that's that's standing in your shadow um but like with rinse you can basically just go on your app someone shows up at your door picks up your suit jackets your shirts and then returns them to you in two days freshly ironed and everything
1: no way it's a subscription for dry cleaning yeah
0: And what's crazy is they did this promotion to start it off where if you refer to a friend and they just use the app, you get $50 in free credit. Boom. There you go. So I referred like four or five people when I first started, $250 of free credit. I've used this service for free and it's been amazing, you know? (laughs) So it's – it's so unique, the world we live in, this give get model and mm-hmm. and just people, you know, I've been really diving deep into the whole like Amazon referral world, just kind of learning more about it. Um, we're in a, an age of information where just by referring a product, you can literally create a passive income anywhere in the world. And yeah. for anyone that's listening, this is something that you should all at least check out and try. Because anyone can do it part time on the side. Uh, You work for yourself. You do your own thing. You build a brand while you're at it. And Justin, you've created a really, really good brand for yourself as you've come along. I know last time we talked about culture hacking. Mm -hmm. And it seems like your movement is the definition of culture hacking. Can you kind of Bring us through a little bit about what your definition of culture hacking is.
1: yeah, so culturing that was a really good episode. People should go back and listen because you and I went back and forth on some really cool concepts, but effectively, culture hacking is the idea of taking a cognitive timeout of turning off the electronic social media, unplugging from the 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 cultural um, roller coaster that everyone is easily sucked into and just thinking like actually thinking about why the world operates how it does and whenever I say thinking you know most people are like well I think every day most people don't actually think they just have cognitive processes they're reacting to things you know it's like whenever you're driving you're not thinking you're just reacting to what's on the road thinking is like being in a quiet place and going okay why does every high school student believe that the next step is college? As an example, right? Thinking, why is that the process? Thinking, why are cultural norms set up the way that they are? And then, after evaluating that and actually doing that real in-depth uh, um creative thinking and thought process, then you find ways to hack the system. Because the reality is that 97% of people are going to do what everyone else in front of them has done, you know, that as humans, you know, this is what we talked about, like as humans, we have this like herd mentality, you know, we want to be accepted by everyone in our village and in our tribe, because otherwise if you get exiled and you're out there in the jungle by yourself, you know, that ain't good. And that same thought process is translated into modern times you know, only we don't have the risk of being killed if we're exiled, but the humiliation triggers the same features in our brain where we're so scared that we fear, we fear as if our life's being put in jeopardy, you know? So culture hacking is simply watching how everyone reacts and seeing how there might be ways to actually, um, uh, find a shortcut through things. And and the way that we sum that up, and we talk about this a lot is, if you observe the masses and then do the opposite, most times you find out that that's a better way because most people aren't thinking through their decisions. They're simply following what the next person has done, and that had to start somewhere. You know, We talk about precedent and how, well, that's just the way it's always been. Well, somebody started that. You know, someone is like, well, this is how we do it. And then generations have just followed this one random person that nobody remembers that started the quote unquote precedent. Well, Steve Jobs says that the world we live in today was created by somebody no smarter than you and I. So if someone created these cultural norms and these habits and these traditions and this precedent that we live in, why can't you and I change it? Why can't we change it? And the reality is, anybody can change the way the world is today by observing the masses, actually thinking about why things happen, and then hacking the system to make it better. That's what Uber did with taxis. Right. I mean, mean, think about the fact that, like, I mean, like, really, think about how we used to stand outside in the pouring rain and beg, like, wave our arms and beg a car to pull over and pick us up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or or before electric scooters came into play. Oh my <laughs> God. I love electric scooters. And I get that they don't work in every city and town. Like it just is true. Like I was in Chicago and like, it just didn't work as, as well. Like uh-huh. you're like basically going to get hit by a car. If <laughs> yeah, <you're>, like, <laughs> if you... But in Santa Monica, it's like amazing. How did we live off of electric scooters? They've made life so much better, cheaper, more efficient, etc. But you're right. I feel like our generation is so robotic yeah. and elon musk said it on joe rogan's podcast such a good he, episode he said um, we're all cyborgs yeah. already without even knowing it cuz we're so attached to your phone like today i took a nap before this podcast cuz i was just feeling super tired and i was flipping out because i knew like i had a time like time frame i had to be ready and I needed my phone because my phone has my freaking alarm on it. And I didn't know how I was going to set an alarm without my phone. And <laughs> I couldn't find it. And I was, I had like a low key, like little panic like attack. panic attack <laughs> yeah, over my phone. such a stupid concept. Like I don't have an alarm clock anymore. Yeah. But we become so like just deep in our phones where if we don't see them every hour or every 15, 20 minutes, it signals something in our brain like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. So I really kind of resonated with your whole thought process there. Like how can you look at that habit and even transform that just a little bit? You capture anyone's attention for just a little bit. You create insane value in the marketplace. Yes,
1: without a doubt. I saw, um, and I'm going to forget who it was. I want to say T-Mobile, but I could be wrong. But some company is offering uh, like uh, winners or applicants or whatever a hundred grand to go a year without a smartphone. <laughs> and listen, I think the reason why they're doing it is because of all the attention. Cause I think it's T-Mobile and people are, you know, sending it to everybody, sharing it, tagging it. It's like, Hey, would you do it? And so everyone's looking at this T-Mobile, 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 T-Mobile paying you a hundred grand to go without a smartphone for a year. But that also makes you think some people would say no to that, right? Like for me, honestly, I'd say no to that. Cause I can make I think that I could make more money with the tool of the smartphone than I would if I just got paid 100 grand without it. Right? You know? But the the value of going a year without a smartphone is so high that they put 100 grand on the line and people are like, "Would you do it?" Now it's a question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how much is your phone worth to you?
0: So JP, to circle back a little bit, what do you do every single day that you need to do in order to make this like a day feel accomplished? Like what are maybe certain money-making activities that you need to do every day that when you go to bed... You just feel like, okay, I did what I needed to do this day. Because obviously every day you're not having as good results as the others. But successful people know that everything is just based off of habits and becoming consistent. And you've become super consistent. So what are some things that you strive to be consistent with every single day?
1: Um, One of the the things that I strive to be consistent with every single day is consistency, right? Right one of the things I strive to be consistent with every day is consistency really in anything that it is that you do. And I'm about to walk you through what my day today looked like to give you to answer your question directly. But I think that's a big takeaway for the for the listeners is strive to be consistent in consistency. It doesn't matter what it is. You could be consistently um, waking up and drinking a cold uh, glass of, of water in the morning, which is really, really good for for your body and if you just do that and you're consistent with that what it does is it creates these small but very significant mental victories and it's there's magic in compounding wins no matter how big or small they are if every day you're telling yourself I'm going to do x and then you do it whether it's as simple as waking up and drinking water in the morning that is so powerful. So be consistent at being consistent. But I'll tell you what my day looked like because I felt like today was and still is a pretty good day. I go until 10 o'clock tonight. Um, and every day for these next three months, I'm going until 10 o'clock. So what I've got is a 12-hour day from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. That before 10 a.m., because I've got two little ones, I wake up and from 5, 6 in the morning, whenever my, my boys wake up, until 10 a.m. is nothing but family time. So I'm making my wife some breakfast, I'm playing with Brooks, right? I'm holding Kennedy who's our our newborn and I'm just being present with them. Like my phone is away as much as possible so I'm grounded in the house and I'm spending time with them. And then at 10 a.m. I have a daily uh, accountability call with my leaders. So every day at 10 a.m., we hop on Zoom. It might be five minutes. It might be 20 minutes. But every day at 10 a.m., boom, we hop on, open our cameras, say what's up, and tell them what we're doing every day. For me, that call gives me a really great distinction between what's family time and what's work time. So because I'm a full-time entrepreneur and I don't have a brick-and-mortar office to walk into, there's no like, hey, I got to go to work at 9 and I can work from wherever I want to whenever I want to. These daily calls are like this – very distinct black and white from my time to now I got to snap into work time. And after that call, I'm out the door. Most of the time today I went and had uh, my first meeting at 10 30 that lasted till 11 30. I walked across the street to a restaurant where I do a weekly luncheon. So I host a weekly networking luncheon where people can invite anyone and everybody for one hour to have lunch and they get like a 20 minute overview of legal shield and how we work, what the product is and everybody walks away from that lunch with the app downloaded on their phone through people's referral links, just like I sent you Toro. Have you opened it yet?
0: I'm signing up right now.
1: I just want to make sure that's happening. So by the time this this, uh, podcast is over, I've got $25 in credits in my account so we can prove a point here. (laughs) So I do a lunch from 11.30 to 12.30. Then I had a call at 1.15 that lasts until 2.15. And then I had a second call from 2.30 to 3. Then I had a meeting at a coffee shop at 3 o'clock to 4. I drove from 4 to 4.15 to my last appointment at 4.15 to 5. Then I got home at 5.15 and at 5 o'clock to 7, that's my time with my little boy to put him to sleep at night. And then I had this call with you at 7.30. I've got a call with the team at 9. And then at 10 o'clock, we have our nightly accountability call, 10 a.m., 10 p.m. to end the day. And all that call is, and I think you'll like to see. And we learned this from uh, the billionaire, Paul J. Meyer, who passed away a few years back. He owned 40 companies, 4-0. This is a billionaire, 40 companies. And he had a role in all of them. But the delegation system that he had was so effective That his role in keeping up with these 40 companies was every day he'd have a daily accountability call at the end of the day, and it was no excuses, no explanation, no judgment. It was simply, you know, company number one, uh, go. And they would say, hey, uh, my name's so-and-so. My goal for today was to do X, Y, and Z. We did X, and we did Y. Okay, good. Company number two, go. And that's all it was. So these calls at night, it, I would say like, hey, uh, it's Justin. Uh, my goal is to meet with four people and enroll two people. Um, I did that. And I also did X, Y, and Z. Tomorrow, my goal is to do Y, you know, A, B, and C. Um, all right, next. And it's just boom, 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 boom. So we can get 30 people through in like 10 or 15 minutes. And it's just like I said at the beginning, it's just telling people what you said you were going to do and then did you accomplish it or not. And the point there is the magic of compounding small victories that trigger this stuff mentally in your brain that says, man, I'm doing what i said I was going to do every single day. Even if they're small things, I'm still scoring points every day. And that makes me feel accomplished.
0: Yeah, that accountability is
1: huge. Yeah.
0: You know, like, whatever it is in your life, people get excited about things where when they're working on something that's bigger than themselves, right? So true. I feel like that's the biggest reason why people are dissatisfied or unhappy at any job or career, even if they're making tons of money. They don't feel like they're working towards something. Human beings want to always feel like we're making progress towards some future goal, future vision. And then the people that create these massive, super successful companies are the ones that are able to translate that huge, beautiful vision onto so many other people in an effective way possible, like Mm -hmm. the CEO you mentioned, which is very unique do you remember a certain time in your life that you would you would call a breakthrough? Like a breakthrough <laughs> yeah. moment that you probably were really like, I don't know, maybe holding yourself back from making that call to either talk to that super successful human that could change your life or like, do you remember maybe a time you might've hit rock bottom and then that, that breakthrough came and you're so appreciative of that, that rock bottom experience because now, you know, it brought you to a new level?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. So first thing that comes to mind Is, you know, I'm in the networking industry and if you, if you do not, or let me say this way, most of the time as you start out, there's some insecurities about what you're doing because there's common misconceptions. And so anyone who's new in any career, whenever somebody asks you, what do you do? You know, usually at like a party, that's almost like an intimidating question. You kind of want to work around. I usually say, so like Ian, what, like, what keeps you busy throughout the day? I'm trying to figure out what you do, but I don't want to say those words because people get all like intimidated by it. And my breakthrough was it was last year and I was asked to come to a meeting with these two guys who I respect so much. They've got these massive traditional businesses. They own uh, insurance agencies across uh, the state of North Carolina and they've got their hands in a lot of different things. And he said, Justin, I think I've got a way where, where you and I can make a lot of money. And so I'm pretty set in my ways. I wasn't interested in doing something else, but you always go and check it out. So I was like, yeah, no problem. So I went and had a meeting with them. About 10 minutes in to them pitching me on what this was, I realize it's a network marketing company they're pitching me on. And these are like – these are uh, – one guy was like 60 and then someone else maybe like 45 or something. And like they're suited up. They're in their physical office building that they own and like their secretaries out front bringing us coffee and stuff. They got people walking in the hallways and they're pitching me on network marketing. And I'm like, hold on a second. Is this happening? Like I, I judged them and thought that they wouldn't be interested and now they're pitching me on what they're launching and how excited they are about it. And so the breakthrough moment was sitting in this meeting – And realizing, oh, boy, like they're in my arena. I've got to be able to like stand my ground and tell them like, hey, that does sound exciting. But like you ain't got nothing on us (laughs) because they were just deciding to launch. And I was like, nope, I'm about to save this. I'm about to steal their excitement. They're working with me. And in the moment in my head, and I, I hope everybody steals this, too. In my head, whenever I was realizing, like, I'm about to have to say something and I'm gonna have to defend myself, it's gonna be a little bit of, like, hey, yeah, that's exciting, but I'm better kind of a thing, not I'm, but my opportunity is better. You know, you get a little intimidated. And I was like, oh boy, you really gotta perform. And so, what I visualized, I visualized that the conference room that we were in was being live streamed to my entire company at our international convention. And it was like a segment where it was like, you know, Justin Peterson live in the field, you know, how's he going to do it? And I was I was feeling that everyone in convention would be, they would be thinking, oh, JP's got it. Like, oh, watch this. Let's see what he's going to say to this. This is going to be good. Because internally, I was nervous. Internally, I was insecure. I was like, oh man, I, it's two against one. They're excited. It's just me. I don't have anybody else backing me up. But I was channeling what everyone else thought about me which is they, they think that I can do this, right? And so I basically borrowed their belief and as soon as I opened my mouth, man, I just went in and by the end of the meeting, I got one of the two of them to sign up to work with me. It, it went from them re- trying to recruit me to one of them signing up with me. And I was like, oh my God, these are people who I looked up to and I still do and they've made a ton of money, they own traditional businesses and I just spun this around 180 in front of them. Man, like I feel like I can really do this. And from there, I just had so much more confidence in my ability because I think that so often, here's the nugget, so often, we overestimate what everyone else is capable of and we underestimate what we're capable of. And in reality, we're capable of so much more than we think. We just have to believe in ourselves to be able to do it. And if you don't believe in yourself, listen to what people are telling you. You know, If you have any moments of doubt or insecurity, or self confidence whenever people say like ian your podcast is dope you know what i mean like seriously you've got an act for this which is true if you ever feel like you're having somebody on the show that might be intimidating no like dude you're good you know what i'm saying like you are good at this as an example and we can just if you channel that strength from other people you can do so much more than you think so that was a breakthrough moment for me and since then i've just been on fire dude on fire. Ugh.
0: I love it. I, I love that you mentioned that because I, I think I have recently had a breakthrough moment even with the podcast because there was an individual I reached out to recently that's going to be on the show in a few episodes. And it was definitely one of those like, you know, out of my, uh, in my opinion, was an out of my league pitch. You know, like mm-hmm. I was just going to the top. Like, I wonder if this would work, right? yeah And I'm on the phone with this, this person and we're chopping it up for like an hour mm. and i'm like word like this is <laughs> this guy is dope like i would feel like he could be like my like my, my homie i'm like I, why didn't i meet him before yeah. <laughs> and he told me that he actually had seen not just one but two different of my podcast episodes through yeah. something uh-huh. else and i was just floored by that yeah you know i was floored by that because it's like those little victories are what get you going to get super excited about the next freaking move you know what i mean And another thing you said that I think is really important for everyone listening is learning how to have those hard conversations because those hard conversations are what create breakthroughs. And just like in a relationship, people overthink everything so much of the time. What's this person going to say? How are they going to react? Are they going to get angry? Is this friendship going to be over? Is she going to break up with me? Is this going to create World War Four? Is this the worst idea I've ever had in my life, right? Mm. People create these these images in their head of why. And I know if you're listening to this, there's something right now that's been troubling you. And typically, like 90% of your daily anguish is thinking about a certain thing you have to do, yeah. right? And I I found that the most successful people are able to just like immediately act upon those feelings and just clear the road, right? So like having a breakthrough is all about having that hard conversation and putting it out in the universe. Four hour work week with Tim Ferriss is phenomenal for this exact reason. It's like you can literally create time freedom at your nine to five job by employing some of the tactics that he speaks about essentially making it so that you can have one day off, two days off, three days off to work remotely. Because obviously, there's many jobs out there that you do not need to be in an office to do. It kills morale. It's bad on the gas money. And it's just not a good work situation in a, in a world where we can live and work remotely. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of dimes you just talked about that. And you're also, JP, you're, like, a really good speaker. You know, I think a lot of people are intimidated by you when they first meet you in a good way. Because, like, they see you. I mean, dude, like, I I recently saw one of your lives. You're in front of 10,000 people. And you did, like, the the closing ceremonies. And you're in there looking fly as, woo! Like, damn. Like, and you're just like boom, boom, boom. But you weren't always there. Like, do you think that you are duplicatable, or do you think you're just kind of a freak of
1: nature? No, I totally, totally think I'm a freak of nature. No, I'm just kidding. I'm duplicatable for sure, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Because yes, I am
0: actually a superhero. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, without a shadow of a doubt. And and here is with here's where like I wish that my words really could um resonate with everybody whenever whenever i explain how i vividly remember shaking like i was like outside in a winter storm with no shirt like like physically like shivering because i was nervous just to introduce somebody to talk to my friends you know, six years ago, like my palms were sweating, it, like I couldn't even stand up. I just sat on the edge of the couch in my living room to introduce a mentor of mine to talk about a business project that we were working on. And like that happened for a year, you know, like for like a, a solid year, like I could not, like my voice would get all shaky, you know what I mean? And like, you did have to swallow a lot. Like I was freaking terrified to speak in public and, or not even in public, like in front of like 10 people in the living room. You know, I was terrified to do business calls even like on, I remember this one time and I don't know if I've admitted this publicly, but whoever was on the call, if you remember, you won't even remember it because I played it off so well. But I remember I was asked (laughs) to train on a team call and like, maybe there was like 30 people on this conference call. Okay. And I was being introduced and I start talking and I make it maybe 10 seconds. And again, remember, this is a phone call. I was by myself in my room, pacing back and forth, trying to throw down a little bit of training for like five minutes as a guest trainer, for five minutes on a team call, and I got so nervous that I hung up the phone in the middle of a sentence and played it off like I got disconnected so that I could catch my breath because I was so nervous that if I kept going, everyone would have been able to tell how nervous I was in my voice. So I hung up the phone on purpose Took a big, deep breath, right? And I was like, all right, dude, come on. You got this. Another deep breath, and I call back in, and I played it off like I got disconnected. Like, hey, guys, my bad. I'm in the bottom of a, of a building. Like, service is bad. I walked outside. Now we should be good. And then I got back into it. But in reality, I intentionally hung up because I was so nervous, and that was just a matter of a couple years ago. And it's just like we've been talking about. Like, this is becoming a theme, the small victories, You know, I made it through that call, even though I pretended like I got disconnected. You know, I did what I had to do and I kept going. I got back on the call and finished the job. And that created a victory in my mind, even though it was super sloppy. You know, it created a victory which builds confidence. And over time, you can get to the point where you're talking in front of 10,000 people. And like, I felt like I rocked that. Like, I'm such a perfectionist. But that live you're talking about where I closed out the convention, like I felt so good. Man, like every every point I hit, like I had a 30-minute window to talk and the presentation I did, I would normally do for an hour and a half and I didn't take any slides out. I chopped it down to 31 minutes. I went over by 60 seconds, you know? And I just felt like I killed it and to 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 feel like the fulfillment and like the pride I had in myself walking off stage that day and to remember how I couldn't even stand up for 10 seconds to say, you know, Hey, I want to introduce you to one of my good friends Ian Linhart. I couldn't even say that without shaking is just so cool. So it's definitely duplicatable. You just got to get out of your comfort zone and stay out of it long enough for you to feel comfortable in a place that used to be outside of your comfort zone. You feel me?
0: I think something that uh, everyone can do at home. That's a really, really great lesson. And something I've learned in my life is, uh, getting those feelings of like freaking out and anxiety and all that is super normal. Um, it's the natural state of our minds, like fight or flight, like we're trying to protect ourselves. So it's just a natural feeling like, you know, human species is trying to live on. It's trying to tell you like something dangerous is about to happen. Uh, I know whenever someone goes on, say, Facebook Live, it's a very amazing tool for someone to have a breakthrough in their life. Going live on Facebook because it's very vulnerable. Like anything that happens on live on Facebook is there for the world to see and you can't take it back. It's a very scary thing. I remember the first time someone tried to get me to go live, it was actually with my buddy John Melton. He'd been doing it for a year and a half at this point and I was always telling him, yo man, you're crushing, you're crushing. He's like, yo, when are you going to do it? I'm like, well, uh, you know, tomorrow. He's like, when, why don't you just do it now? And I was like stunned with fear. So scared. I was in San Diego at the time. And I love San Diego. San
1: Diego is so dope. My favorite spot in the country.
0: So sick. but uh, And I was so scared. And I was like, meanwhile, I was telling people on my team that they got to go on live. And they got to do this. And I knew I was a hypocrite. And I was like, damn. So I remember... I had everything set up in my room. I remember I was doing that live and I had to walk back and forth 10 times, maybe six, maybe six to seven. I walked outside and I would take a lap and I'd come back, be like, at the end of this lap, I'm going to crush this thing. I'm about, I'm about to make it rain. Like I'm about to crush. I was so, and then I'd get there and I'd be like, oh no, oh no, I'm done. I'm done. And I did that. People would be like, no way you did that. They would think that like, I'm a super like outgoing person, Totally. but we overthink it. One thing that's interesting is whenever you start a Facebook Live, sometimes you'll be really nervous. And then maybe a lot of times, like the Facebook Live screws up and it loses connection. And sometimes you have to start it a second time. I found that that second time you do it, it's like you come in so minty and money, right? (laughs) Like all those feelings are gone at that first attempt. And the second time you're just like, woo! (laughs) So like I challenge everybody to try and go on Facebook Live about something that you're passionate about. Because it's essentially public speaking. It's actually probably like more scary in a sense than traditional public speaking. Because it can be seen by so many people. Yeah. But yeah, that just fight or flight thing is, is really interesting to me. For
1: sure. L- let me ask you a question because I don't know if you... No, you, you, we watch each other's like Instagram stories and stuff. Because the whole world's kind of like transitioned from Snapchat into Instagram. It feels like since that last update. But it was maybe like last week. I, I made a, uh, Insta, uh Instagram story where I was – it was like selfie mode, right? I'm like talking to my Instagram story and that's so weird for me. Like I'm still kind of getting used to like just putting up short clips and you do it so well. And I think about you whenever I think about just doing it naturally, right? Like I see you dancing in the kitchen, cooking or whatever and you're just like talking to me like, yo, what's up? If you guys haven't tried this. You got to try this. I like, hope your day is going great, guys. Boom. And it's just so natural. I'm like, yes, I got my daily dose of Lynn Jones in, and you're talking. The reality is, you're in your kitchen dancing by yourself, looking at your phone, talking to your (laughs) phone. You know what I mean? But to the viewers, to me, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I don't want him to stop doing that. But to me, in my own skin, I was in my car by myself, talking to my phone. It felt so weird. Like, how do you get over that and just make it natural? Yeah,
0: I still am weird about it, like when other people are around.
1: yes that's the hardest too for sure
0: i'm very weird about it actually like i'll be walking down the street and i'll see someone like vlogging and i'll and i'll like low-key judge him so hard i'll be like oh look at this freaking dude like like, loser like i I do it and like it's not right i know i'm wrong yeah but i'm just kind of like bro like but then low-key like i like i know how effective that is like i gotta go do that too yes Uh, I think it's just around other people, you feel weird. It's like the idea of just like doing like craziness in front of a bunch of people and thinking about what are they thinking about me. But when in reality, like you can do the most like horrifying thing in today's world and no one even remembers a week later. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff going out. But I think just that authenticity, I mean, for my own personal Instagram stories, no one laughs more at my like Instagram stories than me. Like I, I personally just laugh at myself because I think it's hilarious, and and it makes me feel good because at the end of the day, I always watch my own stories out of this self ego thing, and I just crack up and giggle, like thinking like I wonder what my dad thinks about this. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a source of self empowerment. I think everyone should you know, at some point, put out some content about themselves because you'll feel better about yourself. Like Justin, you mentioned earning income, being on stage. Randy Schroeder in our last podcast said, earning income that you personally earn is the most empowering feeling will make you feel so good than almost anything else because it just makes you feel on top of the world. So for you to go out on a stage and speak and feel on top of the world, what else do you think people can do to kind of get that feeling of feeling on top of the world? Mm, um,
1: <clears throat> anything that is difficult for somebody to do once they've accomplished it and realize that they've survived afterwards, I think that you feel on top of the world. Something that in your mind, like take Facebook live, for example, like you probably felt on top of the world after your first Facebook live in San Diego in your bedroom You know, and if you go back and watch that, you're probably like, man, this is that was not good. You know what I mean? But in the moment, you're like, I'm on top of the world. I finally stopped pacing. I did my Facebook live. I'm killing it. So it's completely different for everybody. It's just whatever in their mind they perceive as like the impossible whenever they realize that it's possible. That's the answer right there. Anything that you perceive as impossible for you whenever you realize that it is possible because you've done it. That's whenever you feel on top of the world. I'll tell you, um, you mentioned the 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 big six-figure um, bonus that I earned a couple years ago. I am not a crier. And like I wish I was sometimes because like especially with kids, man, it's like you just love so hard that sometimes it feels like the sensation of being homesick or like inside. It's just like you can't let out the emotion and like I, I want to cry tears of joy because of how – How fulfilled and how happy and how joyful I am. But I'm not a crier. But I'll tell you, the last time I cried tears of joy was whenever I earned that bonus. Okay. And I'm being introduced in like this little breakout with like my team. And there's like 150 or so of us in a room. And it's just like intimate. The convention's over. And my mentor, who taught me like everything and believed in me the whole time, was saying these nice things about me. And he introduced me. And I walk up there and I just like, I got tears flowing. Because for the last five months, I had worked so hard, dude, so hard. And I was going for this goal that I've never made money like that in my life. You know, i never made that like that one day is better than a lot of people's entire years. You know, and that seemed impossible to me to make 100 grand in a day. Like that's impossible. You know, and then I made it possible and I started crying, dude, like straight up tears in front of everyone and it was so good and it it reminded me of what you're talking about where making income is one of the most empowering things stuff that you you have earned and it's just so true dude like you know everyone is worth infinite income you know we're worth infinite income we are worth as much income as we allow ourselves to earn think about those words as much as we allow ourselves to earn you know so, yeah, dude. That's some powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, man. I, I was listening to um, Jim Rohn, The Art of Exceptional Living, which is a great audio. Oh, my God. I- I've been going through all this crazy sick stuff, and it's been super lame. It's been affecting my sleep. So I've now I, like, go to sleep to um, Audible. So it just, like, helps yeah. me sleep. Yeah. Um, I just have it on. I don't even realize it's on, and I wake up, and I'm good. <laughs> um, but he talks about how you need to be in the moment more. And I do this so bad. Like, for example, he's like, I'm the, like, when I watch a movie and it's sad, I'm over there crying. (laughs) I'm like, I'm deep in that movie. Like I'm feeling the movie. Uh Like if I'm over here and I'm pumped, like I'm pumped up. Like I'm stoked. And I know me personally, I always fight back, like feeling myself all the time. This is getting super soft real quick. (laughs) Wow. I wish I 180. (laughs) But uh, I feel like you need to live in the moment and be in that moment more and feel that you should be in that moment. like. You need to feel that you're deserving of it because the person, the, the six-figure person versus a seven-figure person, a lot of the times is that do they know themselves as that person? Obviously, money doesn't value a human being. Like, you know, but we're just talking in, in the form of creating income. Like if a seven-figure income earner loses seven figures tomorrow, he, will most li- he or she will most likely come back and make it again. True. Why is that? You know? Because they have this intuitive belief in themselves that they can make it happen. They can yeah. stand across a table and sign the paper that makes it happen and mm-hmm. makes moves. And that's why I love surrounding myself with people like yourself. Because it just makes me and everyone that's listening to this podcast realize that we can make moves on what we want to do. Yeah, And that's going to ultimately bring make us happy. I mean, like, you could have the, the best everything. Like, I'm looking at you right now and you in this beautiful kitchen, like, I love to cook these days and I'm looking at that I'm looking at that fridge like damn I could <laughs> I could store a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you you see people with these lifestyles and it's like you can have all of it and I always have to remind myself all the time that that that's completely possible. So, you know, I think it's very important to talk about the idea of trying not to compare yourself to a previous version of yourself. You mentioned that earlier um in in a a good way but like for the fact that when you look at a video that you did say four years ago you're gonna look at that being like oh my god that was terrible like that was so crappy what did i do but in reality like you said at the time you felt better than anything in the world to actually like make that video happen you felt just on top of the planet you felt like you could make anything moves you have to get to the point where like I completely forgot where I
1: was going with that. (laughs) 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 You you started with talking about how, and I don't know if you meant to say it this way, but how you should not compare yourself to a previous version version of yourself.
0: But it's like you need to find, you need to start somewhere. And the only reason people aren't making moves on what they're trying to do is that they're so scared of people seeing them starting with nothing. Yeah. And that's what I meant by, like, when you compare a previous version of yourself, like, that's that person that stood up when he had nothing or she had nothing. Like, that's mm-hmm. a powerful person. Oh, you know what I mean? Point, like, man. without the followers, without the recognition, without the credibility, like, that is a really powerful thing. So you should look back at that first video you did and make a freaking move about that.
1: Okay. I got, I got one for you. I got one for you. So you were, you were talking about um, a breakthrough moment. And you were talking about living in the moment as well. And you were talking about the difference between someone who makes six figures and seven figures. So one breakthrough for me on top of that meeting that I told you about was whenever financially I just – I hit rock bottom. You know, I've been unemployed for uh, six years now, right? like no w2 like on my own just in the wilderness like with your boy over your shoulder what's your lion's name again
0: uh this dude yeah he's the he's the lion form of amurabi
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) so like i've been on my own for six years and there was there was a time where like i was leveraged out like all the cards were max like i borrowed from everybody that i could borrow from like I had sold everything I had sold. Like I have gone all in for my career. You know what I mean? And there was a moment where I was like, you know what? My back's against the wall. You know, like I don't think from a career standpoint I could be any lower right now. And I realized that I was happy. Not because of the circumstances. The circumstances drove me crazy. I felt like I was going crazy. Like, have I lost my mind? What am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, why am I not super depressed right now? Most people would be jumping off a bridge, you know? Like, this is crazy. But I was happy, and the breakthrough was, you know, number one, money's not everything. Possessions are not everything. Like, you can really hit rock bottom, and as long as you're happy, like, living, you know, you're in the moment, and it's like right now I got my dog right here next to me. You guys can't see, but I got my dog. I'm petting my dog. Like that brings joy. Like it doesn't matter. You can be dead broke. You could be bankrupt. You could be divorced. You could have the most humiliating thing ever happen to you. But if you're alive and breathing, like the sun's shining, like dude, like life goes on. And it was a breakthrough for me because I had so much pride in my success and you know perceived success. At the moment, I wasn't doing anything. You know. And I was just so happy I had my wife, I had my little boy, you know, I'm like, dude, if this is the quote unquote worst that it gets, life is going to be freaking awesome whenever I'm rolling in it, you know,
0: I like what you talked about the idea of knowing that your life right now is as good, like knowing how bad it can get and it has as good as it can get and having those emotional crutches in your life Mm. that ground you back to where you need to be.
1: Yeah, it was such a good feeling, man. Because like, you know in those moments like being out of money you know down on your luck it's like all these things that all these uh, it's like a series of unfortunate events had happened it's like man can it get any worse but then whenever i realize, it's like man this is as worse as bad as it gets like i feel pretty dang good and i feel really good i want i want people to Really hear that part, especially for the listeners who have stayed with us this far because we're, you know, obviously we're getting towards the end of your podcast and the people who have stayed on this long, these are the real, these are the homies. You know, these are the ones who are like invested and taken out some knowledge from our conversations. But, dude, you got to start, like you said, and you're going to have ups and downs and you have to enjoy the all of it. You know, you can't get too high on the highs. You can't get too low on the lows. Like Les Brown, I don't remember how he said it, but my visual, my visual was, you know, like if you if you put your hand out from from your eyes and you're pointing forward with your hand and you go up and down like a wave, right? Your life's gonna go up and down, and as long as your vision stays straight through all of it, you're gonna be good. You know, emotionally, you don't ride the roller coaster; you just experience it. You're gonna be good, man. You know, so. Yeah,
0: (laughs) we stay good and and stay good Justin. Yeah, if you could have went back to yourself when you first got maybe maybe when you're in school or when you first got started in your first entrepreneurial venture, Mm -hmm. if you could go back and whisper say one, two or three things into your ear that you would have just wished you could have just heard prior that would have saved you a lot of time, stress and money. What would those things be?
1: That's such a good question, and the way that you worded it is even better too. Because I'm visualizing myself getting a whisper of wisdom from my future self. So I heard this from I'm gonna I don't remember his last name. Judah is his first name. He's uh he's a what's that? Judah Smith. My wife's in the background. Always oh, got my back. Judah Smith. So he's like a super famous uh, preacher, and he he like preaches at his mega church in California, and like. Uh, Justin Bieber goes, you know, like a list, like mega a list celebrities go and stuff. And like, he's really young. And he said that his dad always told him people like you and want to hear what you have to say. And I would have whispered in my ear, Justin, even if it was, even if it wasn't true, right? I need to tell myself this over and over, Justin, people like you and they want to hear what you have to say. Cause if that was my philosophy, I wouldn't have been as nervous. I wouldn't have been as anxious. I would have gone faster, quicker, sooner. I would have accomplished so much more if I believed from my future self that people like me and people want to hear what I have to say. That, that would be my whisper of wisdom from my future self.
0: Damn. And just like that, you solved bullying around the world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: give me credit i'll be famous and rich we'll go to the top together
0: (laughs) and this is like the the most uh my favorite question to ask on these on these episodes and get different people's opinions on it but it's really comes down to the gist of of where this whole idea of this podcast came from it's you know what would you say to that person today that is currently maybe working a nine-to-five job that they might love they might absolutely despise They might just be going through the motions. They might just feel like emotionally sucked, like they just are not feeling like they're hitting their potential. They don't have the vision. And deep down in their mind, they're thinking like, you know, I really want to start that foundation to help coral reefs, or I really want to start that job, or I really want to start this career. I want to start my own business. They're thinking, but they don't know what to do. They're scared. They don't know what to take the next step. Uh, you know, they're, they are got a comfortable life, you know, they don't know what to do. What would you say to that person that's right on the cusp of making a
1: dramatic move in their life? Go to a funeral, go sit in a funeral, sit in the back of a funeral, respectfully, watch the service and listen to what people say about that person who's passed and put yourself in that person's shoes that are cold. <laughs> Uh, now put put it you know put them in your shoes they're not really the right one but imagine yourself
0: you're going to hell bro
1: (laughs) (laughs) now go to a funeral or at least go to a funeral in your mind and think about what people are saying about you and all the stuff that we make up in our heads is scary and intimidating and possibly humiliating and like the failures that we could or couldn't hit they all don't matter they don't matter. We have one life to live. And if people, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, take a mental time out and really think on what that means, don't just hear it. But, yeah, we have one life to live. Yeah, one life. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Think about that. Like, what does that mean? Like, what? The, like, where do you believe you go afterwards? You know what I mean? And what will people think about you once you are gone? Like, if you just ponder that, that's the motivation you need to just Draw the line in the sand and do it, man. Just do it because time goes by so fast, man. Like so quick. Like I've got a two-year-old toddler now. Like what? 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 Like if you you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, think back to where you were five years ago and it feels like the blink of an eye. Go to a funeral in your head and just think about what people are going to say about you and then do what you want them to talk about just do it Justin
0: how can people if I, if I want to just get more of JP how can people follow you what where can I where can I find you
1: yeah so I think I'm, I'm focusing on Instagram a little bit more um, partly thanks to you uh, I love watching your stuff my Instagram is Justin underscore Peterson one. The number one, Justin underscore Peterson one, and then find me on Facebook, um, Justin Peterson. I've got a I've got a page as well where I put a lot of my video content out, um, and yeah, send me a message please if you, if you've um, watched this and you enjoy the podcast you know, share that with people, you know, tag Ian, like, you know, the world goes around, the more you give, the more you get and send me a direct message and let me know what you, what you took away from it. I'd love to create a relationship with you, especially if you're somebody who's watched this podcast all the way to this point point you see life the same way that Ian and I do. And I'd love to connect with you because we're a few and far between. We got to stick together.
0: Damn, dude. Ah, I love it. <laughs> Justin, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate you as always. Till next time, homie. Glad to be here. Thanks, Ian. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time. Peace.